we're back. This is Joe and TJ from the Schoolhouse 302, and you're listening to our Focus Ed podcast. Focus Ed is your educational leadership podcast. In every episode, it's our mission to focus on one aspect of teaching and leading in school so that you can make progress in your district, school, or classroom with even more knowledge, better understanding, and a clear direction on what to do next for your students and staff. In each show, we ask an expert guest to join us and we dissect their work and tons of other information about leading better and growing faster in schools. We're only doing 14 episodes per school year and we hope you'll listen to all 14. The guest list is incredible. Don't miss a single show and do us a favor. Please like, share and follow Focus Ed on SoundCloud, iTunes and our website, theschoolhouse302.com. And now for another episode of Focus Ed. Welcome back. This is Joe and TJ, and you're listening to Focus Ed. Focus Ed is your educational leadership podcast where our mission is to dissect a particular problem of practice and or pinpoint a place of progress so that you can learn to lead better and grow faster in your school or district with more knowledge, better understanding, clear direction on what to do next. Each episode of Focus Ed, we invite expert guests to join us. And this episode, we have Dr. Matthew Joseph with a focus on mentoring, specifically reimagining the concept of the mentorship in education. Dr. Matthew X. Joseph is currently the Director of Curriculum, Instruction, and Assessment in Leicester City Public Schools. He's been a school and district leader in many capacities in public education for his 27 years in the field. Experiences such as the Director of Digital Learning Innovation, Elementary School Principal, Classroom Teacher, and District Professional Development Specialist have provided Matt incredible insights on how to best support teaching and learning and led to nationally published articles and opportunities to speak at multiple state and national events. His master's degree is in special education and his doctorate is in educational leadership from Boston College. He's the author of Power of Us, Creating Collaborative Schools, and he's the co-author of Modern Mentoring, Reimagining Mentorship in Education, the topic of our podcast today. You can follow him on Twitter, at Matthew X. Joseph. Visit his website, mxjspeaker.com, or his blog, techinnovation.live. And also, don't miss his weekly Sunday series, very important. It's called Modern Roundtable. Easy to find. Check it out in his Twitter feed. We hope you enjoy this episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and follow. You can always get more by following the schoolhouse302.com. Go to the site, click on follow. So here we are with our guest, Dr. Matthew Joseph. Thank you for joining us today on Focus Ed. Oh, thanks a lot. I'm, gl uh, I'm glad I didn't send anything more. It's just been a read aloud for the podcast. So it's great to be here. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I think this actually really talks about the topic of flexibility because I think I was coming on in a few months and next thing I know it's two days later and we just roll with it in education and I think I know that's not the topic but it is still September whatever Delaware schools are doing in whatever capacity we have to be flexible and I think through that and that's going to weave into a lot that we talk about today when we talk about mentorship and we talk about what that looks like in in-person hybrid remote 
however it looks like, flexibility is going to be the biggest piece and, and focus on the silver linings. Those are two things that we really didn't talk about, but I was really thinking about it driving to connect today and logging on like, this is where we're at in education. We're going to do this from, uh, you know, living room. We're going to do months early and we're just going to roll with it because that's what, that's what we do as educators. Yeah, we appreciate that. We appreciate you being flexible. We lock folks into these dates, but then there are always changes to the program of work. So thank you. And listen, let's jump right in. Let's talk about Modern Mentor, reimagining mentorship and education. Let's start with this. You wrote the book based on some of your experiences, but also like we would love to know why you decided to write a book on mentoring a little bit about what it's about to modernize mentoring in education and what message you think that the educators should get to it, specifically our live audience today. Absolutely. And it's, it'll turn into a minor shameless plug for my other book, The Power of Us. But to, to answer your question, why this was a critical topic for me, because when I did my research at Boston College, I studied valuing teachers' workplace. How are we going to value teachers and their, their job and, and what makes them tick and what makes them come back each year. And really one of the things that I've learned from, from teachers is that really the three things that they were looking for in education in a school district were a strong mentoring program, collaboration, and feeling valued from their administrator. So when I did that to look at what is really driving teachers to stay in one district, and as you both know, keeping teachers for over five years is where it's critical. Those are three topics that really resonated from the, the research, resonated from the, da- from the data, and, and looking at what improved job satisfaction for teachers. So in looking at the mentoring program, one of the things that I, I saw is that after year two, in most states, year one, you have an official mentor. When the 21-year-old new teacher gets matched up with the teacher next door because it's the most convenient, and really looking at that model that it wasn't enhancing the, the new teacher's role in education. It was really telling them how somebody else did it 15 years ago. So it got me thinking of how can we look at strategies to create mentoring as a mindset and not just a program within a school district. And I started to kick around some ideas and started to write a few blogs about this. And what came from it is people asking, like, what could we do? What are some strategies on how to enhance our program? And what it turned into was an opportunity to move away from, I mean, the first couple chapters of the book, not turning this into a book group, but just to say it's really focused on creating a mentoring program and creating the the first year experience. But a majority of it is looking at how we, uh, year two and beyond, how can we support educators in this profession after they sign off that they've completed their mentorship hours? And how are we supporting peer-to-peer mentoring? And really the third, you know, the, the, the last third of the book is supporting new leaders. It's really the only job that I can think of where if you're really good at something, like being a classroom teacher, your, you know, ascension in the ranks is doing a totally different job. You, you, you're a great teacher, and now you become something that is not really one-to-one correlation to teaching. So really supporting that, that leadership role of moving from a classroom teacher or teacher leader into an assistant principal or principal role in, in supporting that, that ascension. 
Thank you, Matt. I couldn't agree more with those three, with the strong mentoring, the collaboration value. Can I want to dig into the strong mentoring a little more. And it can be year one. It can definitely go beyond sure. in the year two. But what are a couple skills that a new mentor should have? Like, you know, these are the two must that a new mentor must have to become of great value to those they're mentoring. Absolutely. Number one is just listen. Mentors often like to talk first because you have the experience. You have the, the years in the classroom and the pedagogy and this lesson has worked every year and we want to share that with you. And the new teacher has no understanding because they've never done it. So it's not relevant to them. It's just like, okay, it's just one more thing. And what happens when we don't develop listening to, to begin with is that the new educators often just are a little more passive and just, okay, I'll do it like you. And over time, what happens is it becomes a, a mini me. You're doing things as the veteran teacher when the new educator has different ideas, different goals, different skills. So the first thing I'd say is to listen. The, the next is just to be kind. Like this is a new experience for educators that you are just coming in and there's certain things that you can teach your mentee. You can teach them how to plan a lesson. You can teach them how to run a parent-teacher conference. But if you're just coming in and barking orders each day, or you're just not saying good morning or bringing them a coffee, you're doing something that shows there's a connection besides that you're getting a stipend to do this, that the, the new educators are going to see you or see the mentor as just going through the motions. So really the first two skills are, soft skills or what I would call critical skills is to listen and, and to be kind each and every day because you don't know when the new educator leaves what they're going home. They could be upset. They might uh, not like the job. And if they come in and are not seeing somebody that's really greeting them each day, then that's going to be, be tough for them. And then the last thing I would say is before you give advice, before you really show some of the things that will help the new, new educator, go sit in their classroom because just as any new leader, same as, you know, new leader, any, if you start giving advice that isn't relevant to that teacher, it's not going to land very well. So I was, you know, a, a male educator who's loud, likes to talk, likes to verbal brainstorm. I'm not going to be a good mentor who, who I just go in and tell them to do it like me. So it's really connected to the first piece, but it shows the, the new educator, you value their style you value what they bring to the table and maybe they're they're musical or maybe they do a lot of poetry or maybe their warm up is something that you've never done so your role is actually give them feedback on what they're doing not how you think they should be teaching and i think bottling those three things um, going off of one of the first things i said is that will really show the new educator you value them and i know we talked about modernizing the mentorship because the mentoring position now is really having multiple hats that you walk in and make this environment better for the new educator. You're welcoming them in, but you're adapting to them more than they're adapting to you. Matt, let's get a tiny bit more granular. So we're funneling this sure. down and I love what you said about listen first, be kind, value them, sit in their classroom. And I think our mentors on the who are listening now are going to get a lot from that. Just the notion of listen first. Sometimes we forget that as leaders, you're right. We tend to want to tell instead of <laughs> listen. 
what strategy, you called it a soft skill, but often what Joe and I like to do is break down soft skills into the technical aspects of the soft skill. Is there something you could offer us as, as advice like the how or even a place we might learn more about listening? Like when you've done your research on listening itself, is there some, something you could offer us a little bit more just in that one bucket? Yeah, one of the things that I talk about is, you know, making connections and, and having those conversations. The first time you meet with your, with your new mentor, go, you know, you can't really go bowling now, but go, go an opportunity to have a, do something that they enjoy doing. Find out what their interests are. So once you start finding out what the new educator is really passionate about, so you talked about granular of the listening. Not only are you listening, but you're hearing what they say. So if they say they're like a certain type of music, then you bring that up in what, what you are helping them out with. If they have a certain skill like poetry or artistry, when you start giving them feedback, you, you do your research to go find out lessons that incorporate the skills that they bring to, to the table. They've obviously interviewed and they've obviously either done a demo lesson or have a portfolio, read through their information. Because if you start coming to the first initial meetings with information about them and showing, I like how you did this, they're going to open up a little bit more. And I think it starts with having those conversations, having that time to meet and asking them to give you feedback. And that might sound like, why would a new teacher give me feedback? Because giving and receiving feedback is very different. And if the new educator is comfortable commenting on some of the things that you're doing, you will also see how that educator gives feedback, which will allow you to know how they will like to receive it. Thank you, Matt. I, I really like the idea that I would put all of this under a, a big umbrella of, you know, getting to know the individual that you're truly mentoring. And so, you know, we often want to jump to connecting it to the school, connecting it to the content, connecting them to the vision and goals, which are all very valid. But I'm hearing very loud and clear that if we're not connecting to the individual, the relationship simply won't be there. Right. And I think, you know, this could be a Captain Obvious discussion for 10 minutes. You know, this sounds like, yes, of course, we're going to do that. But, but knowing and doing are two different things, right? There's a lot of things we know we shouldn't be doing but we do them anyways. And, and knowing we need to listen, but actually hearing what the new individual has to say are different. And make sure that when you're going through, you're not just using it as a casual conversation, that the information that you receive back, you are tying it in a week later, two weeks later. If a new educator tells you something the first day of school, and then the first day of October, you come in and start talking about it, they're gonna be like, whoa, you got their attention. So documenting it and really bringing it back will show them you value them as the individual. Matt, let me ask you this too, sure. uh, before we move on to some additional questions. I mean, obviously many of us are remote. What suggestions do you have for building this level of connection in a remote environment? And also, if you wouldn't mind, touch a little bit on frequency. You know, you don't want to smother the individual, but you also don't want to be so vacant that they don't even realize they have a mentor. So is there a good balance there? So how do we connect in this remote environment with our mentee? But then also, you know, how do we actually establish like the frequency? So the frequency is actually a good question that will start to build that bond. I think B, and I'm going to start with the second half and then, and then work backwards. 
ask them what they want or come to a, a consensus of here as a mentor, this is what I feel comfortable connecting with you. I would like to connect at least touch base once a day and really have a, a deeper conversation, maybe about instruction once a week and maybe about classroom management. And again, you can insert your dialogue there. And if, if the new educator like is startled by that, that that's part of listening to reading body language or seeing, seeing what they have. And if they, if they're like, yeah, I agree. It gives them that option of a little bit of control. The new educators don't have a lot of control. So the more times that you structure that control, will help the relationship. So I would first come up with what you feel comfortable as frequency and then asking them. I think a daily connection in some capacity, just to let them know you're there, that life preserver is there, but you definitely are not smothering. You're definitely not being that individual who's trying to be all knowing and coming in and, oh, you should have done that. So I think it's, you know, this is, sounds a little bit of a cop-out, but it's gonna be different for every individual where some are much more social. They're gonna to wanna to connect each day and talk and some will rather sit down for two hours and have a longer discussion and find that out. But within that frequency, find ways, which kind of bleeds into the first topic about how to do it remotely, find ways to do it that isn't always online like this. And like Boxer is a great tool. If you haven't used Boxer or, or Slack, it, again, I want to talk a little bit about control because there is the imbalance of power when you have a mentor who's this veteran teacher and probably looked at as a leader in the school and now you're this new educator. But having tools like Boxer where you can just pick up the phone like, hey, think, how's it going today? You know, I had a tough lesson too. Hope your lessons are going well. And some way to connect with them, which leads into the vulnerability. When you connect digitally, you have to be vulnerable yourself as the mentor. This is hard for me. This is not how I'd like to meet with you. I'd like to grab a coffee somewhere somehow and find a, a park that has two picnic tables 10 feet away and leave one coffee over, whatever it is. Finding a way, because you're obviously in the same district or at least close enough, do your homework, find out where their safe spaces and part of the listening, which was number one, hear how they've operated the last two months. Have they gone to outdoor seating? Have they had an opportunity to leave their house? And you as the mentor have to take all that in and make them feel comfortable. So connecting online is important, but I think having a way to connect when it kind of, when it's your time, pick up the phone or they can reach out using Box or using Slack, I think are good ways to do that. I'm really glad that you brought up Voxer because we've been using that here locally on a number of levels and it really is a great support. It's easy to use and it does that, that also doesn't make it so somebody has to show up at any given point, right? You kind of get right. to listen to it at your, when, it, when it's convenient for you. Before we get off the topic of mentoring though, I, I, I want, if you could just address a little bit about, you end the book with mentoring for leaders. And sure. a lot of people on this call, they're either leaders who are being mentored or they're mentors for other leaders. Sure tips and tricks to that as well, because it's a little bit different to mentor a leader, especially someone who we hired to be an expert at their craft versus somebody who's brand new to the profession per se. Sure. So you've hired them for some reason, whatever that reason is, you want to make sure those skills are in a building. So the two that I talk about a lot is be the navigator, not the pilot, which means help the new leader navigate through some of the possible pitfalls, but, but let them fly the plane. Like, I'm, I've, I say this a lot too, that I'm gonna let you fall, but I'm not gonna let you fail. That we, when we mentor leaders, they have experience in 
the classroom in this case, and they have the skills and schooling to be a school or district leader. So let them lead as themselves and you have to guide them. You have to navigate so they don't get too far off course, but let them really create their own leadership lens because they're gonna come at it a different way. And having that leadership lens is critical in the mentoring a new leader in the early stages because once they build that leadership lens, then you can support them continuing to go forward. Another strategy that I talk a lot about is open the door for the new leaders, but don't walk through it. We have a lot of connections. I mean, we, I was fortunate to meet both of you in Washington at ASCD, and that was through Connie Hamilton saying, come out to dinner. And, and, and then we met and we made a, a connection. It wasn't that she walked me hand in hand all the way through to, to meet and make sure you guys call me after and all of that. We have connections as leaders. We want to use those for people we believe in and then get out of the way. Like let the person shine themselves. So, you know, I talk about opening the door for leaders all the time and then let them shine, let them really flourish in, in what you're doing. Because part of leadership is not having more followers. It's creating more leaders. And if you're always walking hand in hand next to each other, they're always going to seem like in your shadow. So it's okay to step out of the way once you've made that connection and let that leader create their leadership lens, and then walk their own path. That's fantastic, Matt. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Still always tied to mentoring, always tied to learning and growing. Um, with the current situation with COVID, but it doesn't have to be necessarily uh, COVID. I think a lot of us uh, would love to talk about something else for you know at least <laughs> seconds in one day. Sure. But you know, regarding the student experience in school, and how important that is. And really, that's why this whole mentoring comes about and so forth. If you're going to improve the student experience in every school, what would you want to see done? So I think this goes for both students in COVID, not COVID, or new teachers or new leaders. It's about creating independence. What are we doing to create independence? Now, don't get that mixed up with students working asynchronously at home by themselves. Yes, that's an independent learner, but we're creating independence by empowering students, by giving them you know, agency and how are they researching topics on their own and are we giving choice topics and are we giving them input in how we're going to assess them in projects that they're doing. And I think part of that is we have to get out of the way that what we're trying to do as educators is we want to make sure students are independently transferring learning. They gather information, they gain it, and then how are they transferring that into a product to show you they know it? And the same for, for mentorship. How are we creating independent educators that they're transferring the skills that you've helped them develop into their lessons? So I think to make that, to improve, as you said, it's about creating independent learners and they're transferring their, their learning independently into a work product or a project. I'm glad to hear you say that the agency part, it really is something that we need to build with students and turn it over to them, I'm even using tools to make sure that we are getting out of the way. Speaking of tools, you know, you have a, a, a blog called Tech Innovation. You talked about Voxer, you talked about Slack. For the group today, for the listeners, is there a favorite resource that you have You're, as a director of curriculum and, and, and instruction and assessment? to support teaching, to support learning, to support maybe leadership or even the student agency piece, where's your go-to? I would say, you know, 
seems like, again, an obvious answer, but I think Twitter is a place that I visit to because I can really narrow down search topics to find thing, uh, things of interest for me, that I can go in and find Twitter chats that I like and can engage at my interest level. I find articles, I find educators, many of you that, that are on there now that inspire me and I learn from. And I think that's, that's a definite resource. Another that I like is Wakelet. So one of the things Wakelet is, it curates content. So I was able to, for our district, have 10 different wakes, which is essentially digital folders within one wakelet that is, is videos, resources, articles, support tips about all of our resources right now, like Google Classroom, how to launch a meet, parent resources, Google Docs, how to use Wakelet, how to use Flipgrid. So I like to have efficiency tools. And I find that Wakelet is one of the best efficiency tools as a leader who's not in a specific school where I can reach all my educators. And I think if we tie it back to mentoring, you can do the same with your new educators that if you have instructional tips, you can have that in all in this, a digital kind of curation folder or how to have parent meetings, however it is. And it's all encompassed into one. It's similar to a student portfolio, but it's a curation tool that you can have websites, you can have videos, you can have content, PDFs. So I like to have tools that are efficient. Wakelet is definitely at the top of my list. And then Twitter is one that I go to to stay connected because we talk about you know physical distancing, but I want to be socially connected and that's how I do that. Matt, you brought up Twitter as a great resource to learn. I think, you know, TJ and I both share those sentiments. It's, it's invaluable. You know, I've benefited. We're, we're not that large of a district. We're about 5,000 students strong in, in Newcastle County Vote Tech. So sometimes these larger districts put out resources that are incredible, especially like infographics and other things. Yep. So I, that's something for me in our district we've, we've been able to, to use. Um, and I think as educators, we want that. Our, just to follow up with the whole tool conversation, improving and, and growing, this could be someone within education or even on, you know, someone in business or industry outside of education. Is there someone that is a go-to for you that you find inspirational, that you learn quite a bit from, and um, who would that be? A few that I, I typically go to are Carl Hooker and, and Monica Burns are two that I find that are more on the technology field. However, they bring a lot into the instructional practice of this. And I think both of those two educators have the opportunity to be practitioners. I really learn from practitioners. Yes, it's important to have the, the, the researchers and the Michael Fulins and but at the same point, I want to know somebody that walks in my shoes. I think, and that's who I like to follow on Twitter. I like to, to, to chat with both of you because you are doing the same job in some capacity. I'm going to log off here. I'm going to go for a run. And then I'm going to log back on and do some virtual learning that I have to get ready for tomorrow because I'm going to walk back into a school district as the curriculum and instruction director. And I think when you find practitioners, and, and Carl and Monica are both that, I find that incredibly inspiring. As an educator, follow Kristen Nan. I think she's a fabulous classroom teacher. She's one of the co-authors of the book, All In. But if you want someone just as a great follow, there's so many out there, but they're called the E-Twins. They are fabulous. And if you just put hashtag E-Twins, you're gonna find them. And they, they're two educators uh, from, from Spain who came over here and are experiencing American education. It's great to see their journey as well. 
Speaking of books, our listeners love books. They come on the show. They want free books. They, they want the, to win the books from, that we give away on this show and others. And you know that from our hashtag read this series as well. Are there books that you would recommend? Are there one or, is there a one or two books that you would say to this group, hey, listen, we're going to read Modern Mentor, but what's one or two more sure. that, that you love? Well, I think if you just take the group that we had dinner with, Connie Hamilton and Christine Ravesi Weinstein, they wrote two books and both for times 10, but we talked about transferring knowledge. Well, Connie writes a book on questioning techniques that I think is fabulous for inquiry-based learning. And, and Christine pu published her book called Anxious. And this is the time that I think looking at students and who are, and, and adults as well, entering a profession that is anxiety provoking right now, and layer on COVID, I think those would be two books that I would, I would recommend. Two books that I'm excited about that are coming out. Mike Earnshaw has a book about school culture. He writes for Edumatch Publishing, and I, I'm looking forward to that. And Hedrick Nichols, she's writing a book. I've got to meet her through MASCD. She's writing a book. I don't know if the title's out, so I won't, I won't spill the beans, but it's on social justice and equity. And, and all four of those are great follows as well on, on Twitter. Connie Hamilton, Christine Vasey Weinstein, Mike Earnshaw, and Hedrick Nichols. Thank you, Matt. We truly appreciate that. I did put in the chat, we'll, we'll create a resource list guide for everyone as we go through. And then as you're, if you're sitting there in the audience too, thinking, well, holy smokes, how in the world am I going to get through all this? We'll put some tips in there to build this in almost like any educator would as a brain break in your normal day <laughs> to just shift, you know, and get some of that. You know, as we wrap up, I would like to ask you, you know, we hear so much and there's so much going on in education and the world around us. What's a, what's a book that you wish someone would write? What's a topic that you don't think we're touching enough that we need to explore further in education and we really need to dig into as well? How do we power down? How do we just give ourselves a break? And what happens is, and listen, I'm not writing it because I don't do it. So I'm just saying, when we do it, we feel guilty. And how, when did that happen? That we can't watch TV without turn, keeping our ringer off. And, and when did this happen where we're the passenger and, and, and checking our email because we might miss something? So if someone writes that, just let me know so I can, I can get a copy. But I think with that, I think, you know, we're talking, you know, super shameless plug, but if you follow me on Twitter on Tuesday, we're doing some work with MASD around teacher well-being because are we doing enough right now? We're about a month into school. And if we aren't giving ourselves a break, if we aren't taking care of ourselves, there's a reason on airplanes that the mask comes down to give yourself air first. We got to take care of ourselves if we're going to take care of our students. And if we're leaders, we got to take care of ourselves if we're going to take care of our staff. So that book would be one I'd really like to read, how to power down and not feel bad about it. There's a lot of books on how to power down and there's Netflix series on why we shouldn't have all these things, but they're forgetting the part that we feel guilty, <laughs> that we aren't checking the email because what if a teacher needed something? Or, or, or in that piece of the puzzle of powering down, the psychological side of it, of not feeling guilty, is one I'd like to learn more about. This has been great, Matt. Awesome. We, we've been very thankful to have you on the show. Is there anything else that you would like to add for the listeners? 
No, this has been great. You brought up at the top about the mentor roundtable. It was just something that we, it started organically. A few of us on Sunday nights at 8.30, just chat about the current topics and support new educators because we're all new teachers, but the new teachers really are entering a field that we never thought of. So it's just something, you know, check it out. We have replays every week and we're learning a lot as, as a group of just, it's almost like our PLN just recorded and online for other people to see. And it's mentor roundtable, right? And we can find yep. that at hashtag mentor roundtable. Yeah. And at mentor round is the Twitter handle. But again, it's that balance of we're really doing it to support. It's not something we're like, we need a thousand followers. We need this. Someone's going to find impact in it. And that'll make us happy each week. That's awesome. Sunday nights, mentor roundtable. You heard it here first on Focus Ed with Dr. Matthew Joseph, everyone. Don't forget to follow the schoolhouse302.com for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more. This was an awesome episode. Thank you for being with us, Matthew. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I hope everyone's doing well down there. And one of the things I do want to say, I just don't want to be the person who comes on and talks about a book or, or a blog. If you, have, if you have a question after the 30 minutes, if there's something you want to connect with, you know, I think my email was in the show notes or whatever, drmatthewxjoseph at gmail.com or DM me on Twitter. I'm happy to help. I'm happy to help your school. Reach out. I don't just talk about it. I want to walk the walk as well. So thank you guys. It was great, great connecting. I'm glad we could bump it up a couple months. I think it's a timely topic. Absolutely. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep. A good night's rest. Self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about you know, getting a good night's sleep. But, you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend Ghost Bed, our sponsor with 30,000 plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a hundred and one night at home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic uh, support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com. You get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use SH302 at checkout. Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out ghost bed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow. That's 30% off with SH302 code. 
at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral. If you get somebody else a good night's sleep, better sleep for you, better leadership, ghostbed.com. You can't beat it. Ghostbed.com. Hey, that's a great strategy for two authors to have people come out and say, hey, what book would you like to write? What, what, what would you think someone should write? Oh, that's a, oh, I like that one. It's that's hilarious. I'll give it to you guys. That's well, nice. it's hey, Matt, it led to a book with <laughs> Connie. So we'll see what happens. All right. But you're, Joe and I are not going to help you write Power Down because we don't. No, I couldn't do it because I'd have to power up to do it. So it's kind of, you know, the oxymoron there.